Blog Talk Radio. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. The New African Broadcast speaks to the free-thinking movement that we see emerging in the minds of today's black youth of America. African youths must be re-educated to the scientific reasoning found in natural law if this movement is to reach its full potential. Inshallah, the African American will break free of non-scientific and tribal thinking paradigms that fail to counter immoral behavior as well as limit solid economic progress in African American communities. As-salamu alaykum. Take the chains off me In this modern day slave offering I'm just trying to be free I love life, I'm just trying to be me And I don't really care what society says Cause if I left it up to them, I'd probably be dead But no, I feel the blood pumping through my veins Like, the people need to stop and get some things right Let's get back to the family I don't like the news, but the news talk tragedy and politics Red and blue, two sides with the gang of you Make a vote for it, make a song that can maybe grab a quote from it Don't let the revolution leaders never run from it my mind to see what comes from it Find kings standing in the heat like the bus coming And I don't need luck, I've been blessed from the most time Trying to go more time Cause the people say they want it But the people never realize the rain till it's storming What's now up? A brother, you take in the ghetto you find a whole lot of crime I can understand I know what it means that's one thing the educators and the politicians and the establishment got to remember. Now, probably y'all. Ready for it, my focus, sir. My fist in the ass so they know it's us. Young black leaders, new Africans. They can't wrap trash in some new packaging. And try to sell it to me. You cool loud in the streets with a college degree. I work for it. Ain't nobody got it from me. I can give you my reality. Gonna sell you a dream. I solo to the dolo, could sell you a team. But I practice what I preach. I can sell a belief. Cream rise to the top. Bull set up a knee. Before you jump out the block, first set of your feet. You run for it. If you want it, you should go for it. Break the reverse, only go for it. Break for it till you're so sure you walk on faith, blindfolded by the brochure. Uh, Stevie Wonder to my worst critic. Seemed like another leaf from when I first did it. Worked all night, no sleep, put a bread on the table and the shoes on my feet. I'm so the definition of the definition. Now time I got some recognition. And I told him to take the chains off me. And this modern day slave off me. So you got to have mind power to deal with salvation. And that's what we're dealing with. See, we can't go back to the biblical story of two loaves of bread. Or two little fishes, five loaves of bread. Two little fishes, yeah. You know what? You can't eat dust. You know what? You can't eat Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 
In the name of Allah, most beneficial benefactor, most merciful redeemer. I openly bear witness that there is nothing worthy of worship except Allah and Allah alone. And I openly bear witness that Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi is his slave servant and his last messenger. Peace and blessings upon Prophet Muhammad, upon his descendants, upon all the righteous servants of God, upon his companions, and for all the uh, prophets from Abraham to Muhammad. I'd like to greet all our radio audience. I I'd like to welcome all of our guests here today from Africa. And we're going to have on our program today, because I have back with us Imam Muhammad Sadiq. Imam Muhammad Sadiq, are you with us right now? If you can, give us the greetings. As-salamu alaykum. Imam Muhammad Sadiq, are you with us? If you're with us today, give us the greetings. As-salamu alaykum. And like we're having some problems getting Imam Muhammad Sadiq on on the line here. In the event, Imam Muhammad Sadiq will be coming to us shortly. He's going to talk to us a little bit more about the uh, nation of Islam. He had some things he wanted to talk about. He had already discussed with us here a very um, enlightened format that we've talked about of the nation of Islam, its development, his his um, his his experiences over the years, and uh, I like to see can I get him now here, Imam Sadiq, are you on the line with us? Can you hear me, Brother Shahid? Yes, Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Yes, Brother Sadiq, I'm glad to have you back on the show, Imam Muhammad Sadiq, and I know you had some things you want to talk about, so I'll. I want you to get right to them here to our listening audience here today. All right. Well, let me let me start off by saying, with Allah's name, the merciful benefactor, the merciful redeemer, we bear witness there is but one God, almighty God Allah. We bear witness Muhammad is his servant and messenger. Dear uh, brothers and sisters, uh, we want to greet you in the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum, peace be unto you, and I want to thank you, Tahid, for permitting this opportunity. Now, I, I want to put a um, a note out here before I uh, make the commentary that I would like to make, and that is, I'm, I um, I asked to 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 participate in this program for a couple of reasons. The main reason being that uh, I listened to the program on the uh, history of the FOI, the FOI history, which I think is an extremely excellent program, very good program. I think the brothers are are uh, doing a tremendous job. 
and uh, I think they ask some very excellent questions, and I think they are very balanced in their approach uh, to to hosting a program of this nature. And my concern was that their interest appears to me to be having a clear understanding of the history of the Nation of Islam, the FOI, and as the brother mentioned in, in one of the earlier programs, that which would extend beyond just the FOI into the MGT as well and into the Nation of Islam as a whole. And if that is, in fact, actual and factual, as, as I heard it and, and, and understood it from my uh, beloved brother, then in that context I would like to make the comments and statements that I want to make, and I want to say them in a professional and constructive way, not in a demeaning way or agitating way, not in any way of of uh, trying to be a know-it-all, but just uh, to to try to help them achieve and accomplish the goals for which they identify in, in the uh, uh, opening of their program that they want an accurate uh, understanding and an accurate uh, uh, hearing on the history of the nation of Islam. So if that is accurate, then that is the way I want to enter. Other than that, then I have to, uh, not knowing what their response will be, because this is not just a program, it's in direct response to their program, but if, if, if I've misread and misunderstood their scholarly pursuit, then I have to, in that context, I have to, in that context, apologize because uh, if if they're content with leaving things just as they were, even if we see some things that could be corrected, then I apologize because it's not my uh, goal or intent to to uh, create a a disturbance or a problem with such uh, outstanding young men who are tr just trying to do what I think needs to be done for uh, for the sake of posterity, and that is to leave a clear understanding of the history of this great entity in in, in community called the Nation of Islam. So that's how I want to open up. Assalamualaikum, brother, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes, I can definitely hear you. Thank you. Okay, keep going. So okay, so uh, with that in mind, uh, I would like I listened to uh, I listened to two programs which I I think were are excellent choices by the uh, by the conveners of the program. I listened to two programs and I think they chose two excellent people to uh, help advance a clear understanding of the history of the Nation of Islam, and uh, I think they chose two excellent people because of their prominent role that they played in the Nation of Islam and their close association with the leader of the Nation of Islam, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And I think the fact that they had a, such a long and respectful history, I think the, they chose some excellent people. But just because they were excellent doesn't mean that they may have not uh, inadvertently aired in maybe some of their 
understanding of some of the historical content of the Nation of Islam. And if the goal is, as I said earlier, is to, to keep it straight and clear, and I would like also to, to let them know that I'm, I welcome their calls, I welcome their call into the program, I welcome their call to me personally, or any way they want, but I want it to be known that I my intent is not a, a negative intent, it's a positive intent. And if at any point that in our dialogue or in our in our in our uh, effort to try and explain things and and identify our concern is isn't is interpreted as a confrontation or something antagonistic, then at that point I'm ready to switch gears and we can just begin to talk on just general things and leave that alone because it is not my goal nor intent to uh, become troublesome or problematic but to try and stick with what I believe is the uh, excellent agenda of uh, two outstanding historians that, that are doing an excellent job in Blog Talk Radio. So the two people that they chose, uh, and I'm honored and blessed to know both of them personally, I've known them personally. I've conversed with them personally. I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't hang out with them, and I didn't have any uh, ongoing telephone conversations with them. But I knew them more, more than just casually. And the two persons are uh, Imam, uh, uh, pardon me, Minister Minister Abdul Rahman, for from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, who was the uh, resident imam there all the way up until the passing of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, and um, also Imam Dr. Abdul Salam, who uh, was a uh, minister under the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and a very, very trusted, uh, uh, I don't want to say companion, but a very trusted member of the community who had tremendous access to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, probably more so than any single individual in the community. And he exchanged very uh, uh, frequently and in-depth many, 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 many uh, conversations and and ideas with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So in listening to these two giants of, uh, of men, and I say giants in the human capacity, and listening to them, I heard a few things that I felt either inadvertently they uh, did not get correctly or did not represent, uh, in my opinion, correctly. And I felt it my duty to at least address it in a most respectful way and not to uh, trample on their good name because they are, in my opinion, too fine gentlemen, too fine, well, not, we don't like to use the term gentlemen, but too fine uh, Muslims who uh, I think have done a tremendous job and has made a tremendous contribution to the history of the nation of Islam. So with having said that, then I would like to sort of touch on uh, uh, my my initial concern. I listened to intently to um, Imam uh, Rahman and um the thing that I want to say is we have to separate, if we're going to be talking about history, we have to separate 
our personal likes, dislikes, biases or prejudices or opinions. We have to separate those from the history because uh, if we're not careful, and especially when you're trying to deal with young people who, in my opinion, are seeking to do an excellent job and obviously are going to write much of this and, and record much of this and keep this in uh, in the public domain, I think we have to separate our ourselves from the temptation to allow our personal feelings to color the historical facts. We have a personal uh, investment in the nation of Islam, all of us, each and every one of us who were a part of the nation of Islam. And uh, I feel free to, to be able to bring uh, uh, my perspective because I, I was not just uh, really around the house in the nation of Islam. I had a long, extensive history in the nation of Islam. I had the opportunity to sit and talk with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad not once, not twice, not three times, not four times, but many, many, many times. And uh, and I also sat at his table, now not to the degree that maybe these men did, but I think I sat there enough to know exactly what time it was in terms of where the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was going with this community and how we uh, have to see the history of this community versus our own opinions as a community. And the, the first thing that I wanted to, to mention was if we're going to uh, give a historical accounting, we have to go to the foundation because everything fits in a context. And we have to go to the foundation. And if the foundation is 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 not correct, then everything that we put on top of the foundation will reflect the taint or reflect the incorrectness of how we begin. So even the builder, we study this in building and we see this with the masons and we see the symbolism. The first thing you do is square the, the, the that foundation, make make that cornerstone square, meaning make sure you have 90-degree angles, make sure your surface is, is, is properly uh, is flat, and make sure that your, your reading on the uh, scale is telling you that everything is level from all four corners. So that because if you throw off one corner, it automatically throws off in everything in the building of this particular instrument that you're trying to develop. And so what I'm saying by that is that we have to understand what was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's foundation? What was the Nation of Islam foundation? Let's put it that way. What is the foundation of the Nation of Islam? Since we're talking about history. Now, if we're talking about, and I realize that in, in part of the uh, the program that I heard, there was personal history and personal uh, uh, steps that were acknowledged as as the the speakers or as the participants were were espousing their experiences. But there are certain things that just have to follow the clear path 
built on the foundation of what it was that the nation of Islam was. The nation of Islam was a religious community established, and I'm using the language that we used then, by Master Farad Muhammad, who we believe at the time came to North America and he came into the city of Detroit and he began his work uh, trying to awaken the sleepy people called the Lost Found Nation of Islam later in, 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 in the program. He came to wake up the so-called Negro and to find somebody to carry the message that he brought to them for what he said was our, their salvation. So, okay, so that's where we it all started. And if we, if we can agree with that, we can proceed forward. Now, if there's a disagreement with that, then we should perhaps straighten out that part. So, therefore, so the first step was Master Farad Muhammad, was in fact the person who came and began in search of and and in uh, an effort to establish a beginning of reclaiming and rebuilding the so-called Negro and bringing him into a knowledge of himself, knowledge of his God, his history, a knowledge of things that we have lost during slavery and things that we were not finding in the Christian church. So that was point one. Point two, people would say, was his his uh, uh, finding down in Elijah Muhammad, and that's true. But I think we should understand how he found the honor of Elijah Muhammad, and it was Sister Clara Muhammad who had initially heard the teachings of Master Farad Muhammad. She heard that teaching. And it was her excitement when she heard it that she rushed back to her husband saying, historically as we, we have been taught, that this can help my husband. I'm, I, I, her friend of hers had told her about this man who had come and was in America and was teaching and sharing these strange ideas, neighborhood of the African-American people in Detroit, and when she heard it for herself, she her first thought was, this can help my husband. And and what she meant by that was that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, uh, his life was not moving in the direction that was constructive at the time, made mainly because there were not many opportunities. There were so many uh, put-downs for the African-American man and if you also understand the nature of the country, we just came out of a serious depression. And so it was not a a, a a bright, sunny day for any of the people of America. Nevertheless, the downtrodden people called Negro who, who uh, were lost and didn't have any clear direction and weren't going anywhere in their church experience. So when you, she heard you know, this, Imam Muhammad Sadiq, may I ask you a quick question? Yes, in fact, I, I insist that you interrupt periodically and, and to keep to keep the program from being just a monologue. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to ask you what uh, 
evidence, what um, historical evidence do we have of who actually reported that Sister Claire Muhammad uh, heard uh, Professor Farad at a meeting or a lecture or whatever and came back and told her husband, Elijah Muhammad, did Elijah Muhammad tell us that or did, and, and if so, did he tell it in general or in his publications or did Sister Clara Muhammad, is there evidence, uh, written evidence, or even uh, oracle evidence that Sister Clara Muhammad told someone else outside of Elijah Muhammad that this is actually what occurred? It was it was it was uh, told in in the context of how the Honorable Elijah Muhammad conveyed most of the information that became the foundation of the Nation of Islam's history, and the great majority of the factual information that we have about the nation of Islam, uh, some of it came in in, in uh, public lectures, but the great majority of it came right at his table, at his in his home at dinner time. Okay. And 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 having uh, t- what they call table talk then, speaking around the table. And these were some of the things that were exchanged, not once or twice or in the presence of one or two people. These were ideas that were projected and placed out there and have been out there for for the, the length and breadth of the, of the history of this community. And uh, it has never been challenged. And uh, Imam Arthur Muhammad spoke on it on many occasions. And uh, other ministers have spoke on it, uh, having heard it, obviously, at the table of the uh, Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And so, therefore, <coughs> the fact that Sister <coughs> Claire Muhammad bought the idea, uh, first first heard Master Farad Muhammad, this was uh, uh, an accepted fact in our history, our, our oral history of the nation of Islam, as told at the table of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, as well as may have been told in other lectures, too. Okay. Okay. And and that, so therefore that set the stage and the honor, and then the honorable Elijah Muhammad in turn he traveled with her to one of the meetings upon her request and sure enough just as she figured it it captured his his soul his interest his his whole being and all the rest from there is as they say is history he became very much. Uh, moved and impressed and convinced by uh, this this experience of listening to this this strange man bring this strange philosophy or teaching to the African American people, and it caught his interest to the degree that he came back over and over and became a regular attending person member, as I understood, of that group of of people who uh, sat in and listened to those lectures. Now, after, I think it was three and a half years, the uh, man that they they called the Savior, his name was, sometimes he was called W.F. Muhammad, Wallace Farad Muhammad, then other times he would sign his name W.D. Muhammad, and uh, never, never understanding or knowing what the D stood for, 
but uh, but he signed his name different ways. But he became a very close associate and 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 uh, mentor to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and uh, it was in their relationship that uh, caused him to grow. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who was Elijah Poole at the time, caused him to grow and develop and become uh, a person that he didn't even know was possible himself. And uh, <clears throat> and after this period of time, three and a half years, I believe it was, um, he was informed by his teacher, his leader, that he was going to be leaving. And as I understand it, and and I'm putting it out there for anybody, and that's why I'm saying these, these historians, I, if we can accept this in the right spirit, I don't ask them just accept it because Muhammad Sadiq says it. I just say check with those who also were around back then. Check with the minister, Minister Farrakhan. As I understand it, he never said that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad would be the leader. He merely said, according to the history that I know, and if there's anybody who has a a contradicting history, uh, they should put it on the table, and, and I, I'd be willing to go back and look deeper. But his words to uh, the people upon uh, his getting ready to depart, whether he told them or didn't tell them, I don't know. I do know he said this when it was obvious and clear he was departing. Hear, H-E-A-R, Kareem, K-A-R-I-M, two words. Hear, Kareem. Now, how you interpret that, how you understand that, I I don't tell you, I can't tell you how, but that's the two words that were passed on to to me over and over and over in the history of the nation of Islam, that Master Farad Muhammad never said the Honorable Elijah Muhammad would be the leader, you all follow the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I never heard that. I heard him, he said two words, and that was when it was clear that he was leaving, he said, hear Kareem. Now, one other thing <clears throat> that he did, and perhaps I believe is the most significant of all the things that he did, was he spoke of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Sister Clara Muhammad having a child. I can't tell you the context and how they talked about it because there's I don't know any history where anyone has told us the d- direct conversations, but I've heard it said on one occasion that he, he had mentioned that that the child would be a boy on another occasion if the child is a boy, but whichever one it was, he said, name him after me. Name him after me. And he he told them that he would this one would be the helper. This one would be the one who would carry this uh nation, this mission into its new into its new uh, uh growth development. And this one and keep in mind, don't confuse this with him this being a successor. And this is where I think a lot of people get off the track. 
because everybody is 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 allowing their own minds to interpret what it is that this one was to do or is to do. But to make it clear, to keep us from missing the boat, he not only told the honorable Elijah Muhammad to name him after him, while he, after he had left, he sent back postcards, and their postcards are still available today with this information on it, where he's inquiring with the uh, pregnancy of, of Sister Clara Muhammad and reminding them of their promise to name this child after him. And this child, what this child would be and how he was to take this child is going to be a special child. He wasn't to go into the public school. He wasn't to eat of the food of the world, either physically or spiritually. And so this was a uh, a great awakening because even in the family, behind the door of the home of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, was the name W.D. Muhammad. His name was placed on the wall at the instructions of the one we called Savior. He said, put his name behind the door and give all of the younger, or excuse me, pardon me, all of his brothers and sisters, there were no younger, he was the youngest at the time. He was the seventh child. And he, they told, he was told, they were told to take a piece of chalk and trace over that name, fixing in their mind and in their spirit and in their soul that their role was to follow this one. Now, this is not something that, that I'm, I alone heard. This is something that every person who uh, ever came to the table of Honorable Elijah Muhammad or ever sat underneath the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and sometime or the other, this was told. So are you, are you suggesting that there are individuals now that, that are challenging that uh, historical information, though they heard it, you're suggesting they are challenging, that they have a different understanding of it today than what, <clears throat> excuse me, than what they had 40 years ago or 50 years ago? Well, yes and no. And let me explain the yes and the no. Yes, there are people who are challenging it, and no, there are people who are not challenging it who, in its verbal articulation, is accepted. So that's the no. But the yes is in how they apply it. In how they apply it. Because, see, we couldn't, we wouldn't get into the problematic uh, ideas that I see popping up if we maintain a association and a, and a, a, and a uh, affiliation with the base, with the foundation. If we hold on to the foundation, hold on to the foundation and go forward, we don't get into trouble. It's when we let go of the foundation and get out there and start swimming in the waters of our own understanding where we start getting into trouble. If we understand that Master Farad Muhammad, and I, and I listened to very carefully to, to Minister Rahman as he opened up his talk in this particular 
concern that I had. And he opened up the talks by saying, in the most holy name of Almighty God, Allah, the great God that was to come and has come. He came to us in the person of the great, great, the great, great Master Farad Muhammad, to whom praises are due, whom praises are due to Allah. And he found one in the streets of Detroit. And he he answered him. Pardon me, I'm pardon me. No, I'm sorry. And he anointed him to be the messenger of Allah. And that that one is the man, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And he carried the burden for many, many years, waiting in his wait. Uh, pardon me, waiting for one who be, who would help the one that was to help to come. And his help came in the person of Minister Louis Farrakhan. Now, see, that may be kind to the excellent work that Minister Farrakhan is doing. That may be nice for the fact that Minister Farrakhan has been a good friend to our dear beloved brother, Minister Rahman. But that's not the history. That is not the history. That 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 is a mixture of history and personal opinion. And that's okay. Everyone's entitled to their personal opinion. I'm entitled to a personal opinion, but if I'm given a, an assignment to bring a historical fact, I cannot and I do not have the right to mix in to the history a personal feeling that may be true. Maybe maybe he did wait for the, uh, Minister Farrakhan. Maybe he he was looking for all that, but that's not a part of the history. The history says, the history says that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was a devout, uncompromising believer and follower in Master Farad Muhammad. Master Farad Muhammad never mentioned Minister Farrakhan. Master Farad Muhammad never mentioned Malcolm. Master Farad Muhammad, the only person that Master Farad Muhammad mentioned was Wallace D. Muhammad. Then that's the history. Now you say, oh, you're biased because of your clothes. I, I probably do have a bias, but I'm not allowing that bias to creep in here. And if anybody can see where I'm uh, allowing a bias to color the historical point I'm trying to establish, please call in and let me know. Because it, I am trying to keep the, the, the history clear from my own understanding, my own interpretation, my own opinion. And I'm so you're saying, saying basically the, the history says, according to what Professor Farad had instructed, that uh, Warthur Dean Muhammad or Wallace Muhammad was going to be the son. I know he had more than one son, but he was going to be the son that was going to help him uh, further the cause of Islam in America among the African-American people or the black people, as we call that town, a lost found Negro here in America, and that everybody else is just pretty much just bouncing off of that with their own personal opinions. That's yeah, what I hear yeah, you it, say. It, it, even, it, it even left it in a deeper meaning 
it, it did not narrow it down. See, see, a lot, here's where a lot of people get into trouble. We allow our own mind's eyes to tell us what we think should be the next step along the line of what happened after the, the passing of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he clearly said that when he died, it's over with. Now, I have to give Dr. Salam a lot of credit because he made that point crystal clear in his talk with our brothers on the historical show that he participated in in December. And he told them that the Nation of Islam was an entity that existed from the coming of Master Farad Muhammad to the death of Elijah Muhammad. And at the passing of Elijah Muhammad, the Nation of Islam ended. And that's a fact. That is a fact. Oh, Brother Sadiq, what are you saying? Are you saying that the Nation of Islam, what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is doing is not good? What Minister Farrakhan is doing and has done is a wonderful sacrifice, a wonderful work. He's doing a lot of excellent things. He's helping thousands of young brothers and sisters. He's bringing hope to a lot of people. He's giving direct. But that has nothing to do with that. We're, we're, our, 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 our mission here is not giving just due to Minister Farrakhan and what he has done and is doing. Our, our, our work here is to address the history. What did happen? Now, another serious mistake that my dear brother's uh, uh, Wakil and understanding Allah made was there is a saying that was floated around the nation of Islam that history of all of us of our studies is most rewarding. You know, when as it rewards the spring, it, 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 that that has been said for years and years. But they want to attribute that to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That, according to my understanding, I could I could I don't have all of the facts on this. That's not from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That's an idea that floated in the nation of Islam, but it was never, ever attached to or given as an original idea from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It was never, ever presented as an original idea from the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And the reason why I'm saying that is because if we're going to tell the story, because if we leave it out there, and just ignore it and just keep on moving, then the next generation is going to come back with it locked in that this is what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad never said that. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad never was involved with anything close to that. And so what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying to you, my purpose here is not to be a thorn in nobody's side, and that's why I'm saying directly to the two beautiful young brothers who are doing the history on the nation of Islam, I just hope that they have the academic <clears throat> kind of spirit that I gained from listening to them. They, they seem to be academics. They seem to be intelligent. They seem to be rational. And they seem to be capable of hearing opposing ideas or ideas that do not necessarily go along with what they had heard before. And if they understand it like that and accept it, and if we can even, even if they come back with a counter- if we can keep it in the true spirit of where I'm coming from, we can do this and we can make an accurate uh, recording for, the, for, for posterity for the future. 
for our young people who come behind us, they'll be accurate. But if we if we allow our own little biases to get in there, we'll get off. So I'm saying that in Minister <clears throat> Rockman's opening, he he misrepresents a fact of history that no one in the nation of Islam ever opened up with that kind of saying. Now he's entitled to do that, but I think in as much as he's there as a as a as a uh, purveyor of history. He has an obligation at the point where he's gone off mission and has gone into a personal opinion. He has an obligation to his listening audience, and he has an obligation to his hosts to let them know this is me, and this is not what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said. This is not a part of the history this is not a part of what we were about then. This is how I see it. And I, I back away and say, you're entitled to see it, just like I'm entitled not to see it. You're entitled to see it, and we don't have to have a, a falling out over it. But the only, my only concern is not that you don't have a right to speak. My only pr- concern is you don't have a right to your private interpretation of facts. You have to present the facts as they are, and if those facts come out uh, favoring your opinions, fine. If those facts contradict your opinions, fine. So, I, I, and that's why I say I hope if there are brothers or sisters out there in this listening audience who hear this and have the right spirit, I hope they call in. And at any point, uh, Brother Shahid, if you see on your board a call, we can uh, rest from making this, this this talk a little bit and hear what their concern is and see if there's something that I have misrepresented because it is not my intent to do anything but to make sure that these brothers are given the, the true path to what they say their goal is. You listen to Imam Muhammad Sadiq. Imam Muhammad Sadiq with the final word here, black Muslim, the Muslim American. From 1956 to present, Imam Muhammad Sadiq has been uh, a follower of Islam in America for over 60 years, a former uh, individual, I guess you could say member, of, I don't want to use really the term member of the Nation of Islam, now following the teachings of Al-Islam in the Quran as brought to us by Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam under the leadership of the late imam, the great imam here in America. And I say the great imam only, ladies and gentlemen, because if you study his work, he was one of the most profound thinkers uh, with intuition and philosophers and also able to uh, project and foresee things far before most individuals could foresee them. And Imam Muhammad, Warthuddin Muhammad here uh, from Chicago. If you have any questions, you can call in now, 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368. Uh, I would like to let you know now, Imam Muhammad Sadiq, that this show was um, broadcast out in uh, before we actually came on. And so uh, some of the brothers you mentioned uh, with the Nation of Islam, so they, they, had gotten, they had gotten notice of this show. So they know uh, we're on the air right now. So That's they beautiful. Call in. Yes, sir. They can all call in. They they know 
they know we on the air right now. So uh, they have every opportunity to call in if they want to. Again, the call-in number is 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368. Email uh, Muhammad Sadiq, I want you I maybe wrap uh, this portion up at the show before we go to a break. I know you wanted to talk about some other things you brought to me about some of the finances of the of the past Nation of Islam. And I agree with you, uh, Imam Muhammad, that uh, the Nation of Islam, upon the death of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, that was the end of the Nation of Islam. And I just want to interject here that an uh, individual can, like you said, they can come up with their own opinion of what they think things should be. Okay, that's an opinion. That's not necessarily a fact. But the fact of the matter is, if the, if the information is there that says something else, just say you don't accept it or you don't agree with it, or maybe you think uh, Minister Farrakhan has a better op- plan or a better opportunity, then at least say that, but don't suggest to people who don't know that this is what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had wanted or this is what Professor Farad Muhammad had predicted. Just say, well, you know, I didn't agree with the direction that the African-American Muslim movement was going uh, in after 1975, so I decided I want to do my own thing. Excellent. Excellent. So you're going to take the break now? You want me to just... Uh... Yes, so we're going to go to a break, ladies and gentlemen. Again, if you're listening to this show from the Internet or from other means, you can call in at 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368. We'll be back uh, in just a moment. Yeah, this is Donald from San Antonio. We gave her a bath, and we started rubbing her down with um, with the XLSO, and she has had complete, complete moisture in her skin ever since. Excel Nutraceuticals All-Natural Base SO has been scientifically developed for the management of eczema and psoriasis. For more information, go to xcel-n.com. My name is uh, Dr. Karen Holly, and I am the senior pastor at Lifeway Church, and I'm also a psychological therapist. My grandson, Christian Turner, and he uses SO, and he has eczema, and so it's just worked wonderfully for him. I've tried bump stop. I've tried all kind of stuff. <laughs> By my skin, you would never believe, uh, people don't believe anymore that I, Used to have hair bumps except my friends. It cleared it up. No more dry patches, even the, the patches that would come around. Nutraceuticals, all natural products. Call today at 1 800 977 3981. I actually brought it for my daughters. They, and my daughters really, my their hair has gotten so much thicker, it's gotten longer, and they feel, it's like they had a ball, like ball spots on the side of their head. But um, ever since uh, we've been using it, they. No more. The hair is actually grown. Excel Nutraceuticals All Natural Base HGS has been scientifically developed for the control of eczema of the scalp and hair regrowth. For more information, go to www.xcel-n.com. Yes, hi. My name is Carmen. About a year ago, I had ordered three of the jars of the Excel HGS, and I'm here to tell you, Oh, it really, really worked. It stopped my hair from thinning out. My hair is just beautiful, and I'm just so very well pleased. Nutraceuticals, all natural products. Call today at 1-800-977-3981. 
sponsored by XL Nutraceuticals. XL Nutraceuticals produces and manufactures all natural products that help promote clear skin and healthy hair growth. Visit XL Nutraceuticals at www.xcel-n.com or call 1-800-977-3981. And now, back to the new African broadcast. Okay, welcome back to the show, Black Muslim to Muslim American. We have Imam Muhammad Sadiq on the line with the final word. Imam Muhammad Sadiq has been a practicing Muslim in America for over 60 years. Imam Muhammad Sadiq, I'm bringing you back on now, giving you the greetings of peace in the Quran and Arabic language. Assalamu alaikum. Can you hear me? Wa alaikum assalam. 
Yes, sir. You know, I, I would like to also make a, another comment <clears throat> from uh, Imam Abdul Rahman's uh, commentary, which was an opinion, and he's entitled to that opinion. But uh, <clears throat> I, I, I would, I certainly uh, don't see the justification of it. But I'll offer an opinion on his opinion. He claimed that uh, he. The Honorable Elijah, I mean, excuse me, Imam Warsuddin Muhammad <clears throat> uh, led him to a kind of Islam that it was repulsive to him. He didn't use that word, but I'm saying that's if you listen to his 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 uh, his uh, commentary on the program, he was saying how he went to Mecca and how it was so unsanitary, and he, Imam Warsuddin Muhammad didn't have the respect of the Muslim world. Now, keep in mind now, this is 1977. Imam Wati Muhammad came into office <clears throat> in 1975. I'd like to know from Imam Rahman uh, what kind of judgment we would have on him in, in two years. You know, what kind of, and, and, and would that judgment be accurate in uh, assessing the man, the great and powerful and wonderful uh, contributor to the history of the nation of Islam? that developed out of Imam Rahman over a longer, much longer period of time. But what will we have seen in the first two years of his getting involved with Islam? So I'm saying <clears throat> if that's the standard by which you're going to make a judgment, I think you should be fair and be willing to be judged yourself. What, what did you look like in the first two years of your your uh, uh, involvement with Islam? And But I, I totally disagree. How can one individual go to Mecca in 1977 with millions and millions of people at Mecca, and you come back with the assessment that, they, that there's no respect for Imam Warthi Muhammad. The only respect he had was based on what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad had done. What rational and justifiable uh, standard did you use to come to that conclusion? Now, that's opinion, and he's entitled to that. But I'm challenging that opinion. I'm saying, number one, you're wrong, Rahman. You're wrong. And Imam didn't Imam Muhammad when he elected the head president, the head council of the Imam or Rabat or something like council of uh, world Imams uh, at one time when he ended it. Muhammad has been shown so much respect around the Islamic world, around the Christian world, around the Jewish world. There's not an Imam on this planet Earth that has done in the short period of time, or has done, period, what Imam Wadisuddin Muhammad has done, nor achieve the kind of respect. Now, even if that was the opinion of, of Brother Minister Rahman, then you're giving a contemporary report in the in the year 2016 now. It's well, 2015 right. when the report was done. And you, if you wanted to make that kind of assessment, you could say that, but I think you would have an obligation to your audience if you wanted to be fair and just. You had an obligation to your audience to say, well, but at this time, as we see, the entire world of Islam and of the religious community, the theology community, theological community, has shown great honor and respect and love for Imam Warthi Muhammad. You can't point to one person who has garnered the kind of respect that Imam Warthi Muhammad has got. When we went to the Rome, invited by the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, just take a look at that. The Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. What did he do? Did he go give that man money? And was it the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that got him over there? No. 
No, it was Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teaching that kept us from getting over there. Not that I'm condemning the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, because he had a work to do and he had a time to do it in, and, and he was focused on what he had to do. But he also made it crystal clear that the one coming to do the next job, he had nothing to do with that, and that the work that he was assigned to do ended, ended, fine, finished, when he left here. Now, anybody who wants to pick up some of the some of the uh, 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 things that he was doing and take some of the strategies he used and use them, if they work for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, why wouldn't they work for you? So that that's not to knock anybody who does that. And if you can help somebody by picking up some of those 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 bright embers of, of, of light that were left as a strategy to help some of our downfallen people, fine. But let's don't lose sight on what the one that you're claiming all this love and respect for, uh, the, honor, the one who came, who the God that was to come, how could this be the God that was to come? And he named Wallace Muhammad, and you find dissatisfaction in him. That tells me you really didn't accept the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teaching because if you accepted the Honorable Elijah Muhammad's teaching, you would have to accept who his teacher said would be the leader. Not, he didn't have a voice in the matter. Even the Honorable Elijah Muhammad couldn't understand why he was given the instruction he was given. And, uh, but but if, if he had the same mind capacity as his teacher, then what did he need a teacher for? If he could see as far as Master Farad Muhammad could see, why does he need Master Farad Muhammad? Why would he need Master Farad Muhammad if he could see what 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 to expect and what the outcome? Master Farad Muhammad didn't question the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Said, "Do you think maybe if we choose Wallace that he, it it might work out if we you had a son?" No, he didn't ask him nothing. He told him, "This is the one that's going to carry this thing to where it's got to go." And he didn't care Imam, what. Imam Muhammad Sadiq, what was uh, uh, Imam Rahman's name before he uh, in the Samuel. in the nation of his? Brother, Brother Minister Samuel. Brother Minister Samuel. Brother Minister Samuel said that I'm only quoting what you said you heard off the or what you said off the um, uh, the show here. He said that Imam Muhammad led him to a religion that was repulsive to him, but at the same time he took on an Arabic speaking name Rahman. I mean, I find that interesting. We got a call here. If anyone would call in here. We got a call from here, 713-252-9540. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to A New Africa. Walaikum assalam. This is Brother Mark Muhammad from Houston, Texas. Just calling in. How you doing? Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum assalam. I'm doing good. Walaikum assalam, Brother Marvin. How you doing, Brother Ma'am? I was listening to you. How are you? Everything's fine. You, you, you. But I was listening to you. Your message was so clear. It was so correct. The logic was excellent. And it made me think of uh, my father when I used to play baseball, and we would get a hit, and he would holler, get out of here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that means that ball was going someplace. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right, brother, ma'am. And I was thinking about another experience of mine when I was younger, and I was supposed to go to uh, a university and work on a PhD, which I didn't go. I moved to Houston, Texas. But I remember talking to my professor. But you did go. You did, yes, sir, I did and you go. did work on a PhD, and you got it. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Alhamdulillah. And, but, but the professor that was over my, my thesis committee, he called me in one day, and he said, did you fill out the application for the uh, PhD, for, you know, for the school? And I told him, I said, no, I haven't done it yet. And he said, why? And I kind of looked at him, and I said, well, I, I, 
coming out of Ph.D. That's what I told him. And he looked at me and he said, I know that. He says, if you were a Ph.D., you wouldn't have to go to the school. He said, it's what you're going to be when you finish. So if someone is, is questioning Imam Muhammad after a two-year period of his leadership, it wasn't where he was at. But Wait. I tell you, in the years that he was here and what he became to be, what he became to be, I mean, the whole world respects Imam W.D. Muhammad. Allah Akbar. Because, because we have benefited from it and we're still growing. And uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's great. And I appreciate you, Brother Imam. Uh, I learned so much by listening to you, and I just wanted to, to, to call in. And also I wanted to catch up with my friend, uh, Muslim Shahid. And, and I, pray, I pray you forgive me for doing this, for messing with him. But, you know, we had a minister at the masjid this past Friday, a reverend. And, <laughs> and when he left, he was still calling the name Mr. Shahid. Well, I don't know why I don't know why he was still calling my name, but uh, but I, I mean I was just asking him some questions, and, and that was another meeting, brother Imam Muhammad Sadiq, that we had prior, and then uh, me and the Reverend had, and then brother Marvin and some of the other imams came. This, this was after Juma uh, service uh, prayer service, and um, and I was just asking him some questions. The only only question I was asking him basically was. I mean, if you have some manuscripts of the uh, uh, the old uh, University of Timbuktu, we were talking about trying to get those things to the Smithsonian, Smithsonian and the Institute in Washington, some other things. But I was just interested in saying, well, you know, if if you finally learned out learned that Al Islam is the seems to be the proper religion, that's what he told me personally, and that um, and that when we came over here, uh, many of us was Muslims. I'm just trying to think in my mind, well, why are you still calling yourself Reverend? Well, look, he, 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 the fact that he was out there with you all shows he's on his way in the right direction. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's another one of those, uh, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that ball went out the park. No, but it was a good time, and, and inshallah, we're going to establish a good relationship with him. And it's always good to know that, that the logic of our community that's been given to us by you know, through Allah Almighty, Initiated by Adonai Elijah Muhammad and and cultivated through leadership of Imam W.D. Muhammad that is alive and is kicking. And uh, as in the book uh, on Joseph that the Imam uh, that was published on the Imam recently, I think we're getting ready. I think we're in our seven years, brother Imam. We're in our Go seven ahead, years apart. And, 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 so, and so and so I'm ready. I, I like uh, I like I like vegetables, so I'm gonna eat as much as I can. So I just Go wanted ahead. to call in and to let you know that I appreciate y'all. Well, thank you so very much. May Allah bless you. Walaikum assalam. And I'm still tripping about Brock. You got your PhD. Time's two. (laughs) (laughs) Brother Imam, I'm still twisted about the brother calling himself Matthew and then saying that Imam Muhammad led him to something repulsive, but yet he went around calling himself Rahman. I don't get it. Well, see, it's unfair. It's unfair. See, first of all, no disrespect. Because, first of all, I, I, if if we just take a small segment of the same individual's life and did, did to him that he wasn't due to Imam Muhammad, he couldn't stand up under it. And I won't do that because I have too many p- pleasant and fond memories of the excellent work that he did. And so I'm not going to try and take what I think is a low point and use it to justify something, which I, I don't. First of all, he can't get no support on that because how do you go to Mecca? 
with all those millions of people and ascertain what all of them are thinking and whether they respect Imam Muhammad or didn't respect Imam Muhammad. I mean, you come back and then you you say, and 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 then you tell me, and and this is revealing in itself. Imam Muhammad turned over the entire city of Houston to Imam Rahman. He was he was the first Imam. I believe in Houston after the, the the change from the passing of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Now, what he didn't do, he didn't do what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad did, which was to baby you. you. He gave you a big field to work out in, and you had to be able to plant the seed and harvest the seed and get the fruit of the seed. And what he obviously could not do and was not able to do, it was hard because it was a new era, a new time, and a new challenge. And I can I can go along with it. I understand it. But I'm going to say, how can you, how are you going to use a harsh measurement on Imam Warthi Muhammad? And if, if we use the same thing on you, could you stand up under it? That's my question to him. And I'm simply saying that he went to Houston, and in Houston with all those thousands and thousands of hundreds of thousands of African-Americans out there, he didn't have the ability to be able to bring out from them the the uh, uh, way of surviving. So he comes back, and he doesn't pick up the phone and call some other imam or some other minister or minister Fargo. He picks up the phone and calls Muhammad Ali. Why? Because he could have a payday with Muhammad Ali. So let's be honest. Let's say, okay, I didn't, I couldn't make no turn no money over there, and I wasn't making no money, and so. If, if if your if your idea was that there was no respect Islamic respect for the imam, then you would have picked up the phone and called somebody who was in the field of teaching Islam, because that's what you're saying you're hungering for. But you didn't pick up someone who could give you Islam. Muhammad Ali is beautiful as a brother he is, and we love him and respect him, but he was a student too. So you pick up the phone and call a student. But the unique thing about this student, he had a big bankroll. And he would also look throw you out a couple thousand or uh, whenever you needed, and so that's why you called Muhammad Ali. So let's don't don't let's don't put no badge of dishonor on Imam Wadisuddin Muhammad and his work because of some weakness or shortcoming that you have. And so I'm saying that, but I but I but I do want to maintain in my own mind the fact that this man, Imam Rahman, out of all of his history, all the most uh, dominant thing that I remember of him is all good and excellent, but there were some low points. And I'm saying, if you don't want to be judged by that low standard, be fair. Be fair. Don't throw no stones at at. at a, and the reason why I'm saying it's not just it's not just because of my love for Imam Warthi Muhammad, but it's my love and hope for posterity for human beings who are looking for a path, looking for a way to study, looking for a direction to carry their life. And if you come out and muddy the water with, with, with lies, then then we have an obligation to say, no, that's a, that's that's just a dog-faced lie. And and I just think a lot, I was there. And not only was I there then, I was there on Medicaid. I was there like they spoke of the, the program down in Atlanta, Georgia, and he gave an accurate assessment of that that experience. And and uh, and he gave a lot of accurate assessments and and and, and showed the, the work that he's done down with the farm and everything, working and help. He's been an excellent email, excellent minister, excellent brother, excellent Muslim. But he had some low points in his life, and we don't want to talk about those. And if we don't want to talk about his low points, he's not willing to put his low ones on the on the table. Then damn it, don't put the emails out out there under what is your interpretation or opinion 
which is not even correct. So I'm just putting it out. That's why I said let the brothers know I'm coming on here and let them know if they have an opposing argument. We welcome it. We welcome it. All I ask is let's stay civil and rational and let's let the facts speak for themselves. And then, then I, I want to take another little stand with the uh, with the uh, same thing with the uh, with with uh, Dr. Salam. Dr. Salam, he uh, he was uh, probably one of the foremost uh, scholars in our community, academically uh, achieved and respected by the Muslim community and and the non-Muslim community. If I remember right, it was Dr. Leo McCallum or something like that. And uh, we all looked to him. But uh, he he wanted he, he did the same thing that Rahman did. He wants to throw down on Imam Warsi Muhammad because of his inability to understand where Allah was leading this thing. And he didn't want to take the, 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 the like he wants to say how the Imam denigrated his father. The Imam never denigrated his father. And I'm saying... Now, you can say, Siddiqui, you've been at the table? Yes. Have you been at the table as much as Dr. Salam? No. So wouldn't he be in a better position? Yes, he would. But also, coming from that table, there were hundreds of other people who were at the table. And never, never, you, he can't find one person that I know of, responsible person, respectable person, who will go along with that bold-faced lie that Iman Warthi Muhammad denigrated his father and disrespected his father. That was not the way of Iman Warthi Muhammad. He wasn't a disrespecter of his father or none of them. And, 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 and though he disagreed with his father, he had, and, but well, his what was the disagreement? What was the disagreement about? I mean, what's, what's uh, the over whether whether Master Muhammad is God or whether Allah is God? And that, the, the Quran solved that. The Holy Quran solved that. That wasn't. That wasn't even. That was a non-starter. You know, that was. That isn't even a challenge. But Imam Warthi Muhammad, well, they were. They were intent on trying to get Imam Warthi Muhammad to accept the Honorable Elijah Muhammad as being the messenger of Allah, and they were intent on trying to get the Honorable Imam Warthi Muhammad to accept uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Excuse me, Master Fraud Muhammad as being God, and Imam Warthi Muhammad wasn't going there, and he would. He would challenge that idea and he would not buy that idea and he was put out at least two or three times over that idea but my point is despite the fact that he was put out to say that he was dissatisfied disrespectful with his father and that he uh, had many run-ins with his father I mean that's not telling the story accurately don't talk don't talk about don't talk in mystery terms let's talk about what the issue was Let's talk about what the issue was, and what he—it wasn't that he disrespected the father; it was he was not going to compromise in what Allah had given him. But, but the, the thing that blows my mind is all of these people. All of these people are showing this discontent with Imam, but but they don't want to say their discontent is with Master Farad Muhammad because Master Farad Muhammad was the one. Whether rightfully or wrongfully, from a position of of a godhood, which I say wrongfully. But he was the one who identified Imam Warthi Muhammad as the one who will lead us into the light. And it will be in the, and the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said the same thing. He said the same thing before he died. I'll, 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 I'll go toe-to-toe with Minister Farquhar and anybody else and prove. And, and, and I never want to challenge Minister Farquhar as eloquent as he is and charismatic as he is. I'll go toe-to-toe to show you the first convert 
to the new way of seeing Islam was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, the first convert to Imam Warthi Muhammad was his father. His father was his first convert. And why would and you he, say it? And why would you why, why you say that? Say but, it because here's a man who's opposing everything that you say about the way God is to be conceived. And before you die, you openly and publicly sit there at the table and say, he's got it. The boys got it. Isn't this what we've been praying for, Claire? You take that teaching and take it around the world. Now, what is that saying? That's a that's a, that's coming in the back door telling you, hey, I agree with you. I couldn't do it. I couldn't say it without your help. It's been bothering me too, but you've given me a way to release the tension that I've been ha- holding on to for years, trying to wrestle with this thing that was given to me that was to self destruct at some time along the line when you came into your fullness. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was the first convert to Imam Waters of Deen Muhammad. And I challenge Minister Farrakhan or anybody else, respectfully, respectfully, because I'm not on no 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 war with them, but I'm saying this is an idea. I'm entitled, We're entitled to see this thing too. We're not willy around the house, you know, where we sit and hand bone and scratch where it don't itch and just say, okay, y'all, y'all run it. We, we just going to wait. No, hell no. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to do that, not with all the experience that I got, not all the teaching that I've got, and all the experience I got with email working. In fact, if you want to know who put the, who put the, 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 the open up the mind of Minister Farrakhan, I'll tell you who it is. It was email Water the Dean Muhammad, because had he not opened up his mind, you wouldn't see the Minister Farrakhan that you see right now today. And you can take that to the bank. You well, you raise a good question. You raise a good question, or you raise a good point here, Brother Imam Muhammad Sadiq, because uh, we've seen and noticed in the public domain that uh, Mr. Farrakhan uh, appears to have over. I was taking him a long time to do it, or trying to do it, uh, for forty, almost forty plus years, uh, uh, trying to bring his uh, group or his uh, community to more be more in line with the teachings of the Quran and the Sunnah of Prophet Muhammad. We know that. Uh, the brothers uh, try to do their prayers every day. They they do the Ramadan, like other Muslims. They read the Quran, and again, like I say, uh, most of them have taken on names from uh, the Quran, Arabian names from the Quran. So, it was, in spite of all the rhetoric on the surface that they talk about, why are they so uh, in line with some of the very things that Imam Warthi D. Muhammad was telling them to come to forty years ago? Beyond that, go back. See, Allah has a way of, 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 of establishing himself even when you don't know he's establishing himself and establishing it in your heart and your soul. Minister Farrakhan was caught in the moment of, of, of relief when he first heard Imam Warthi Muhammad put it out there just the way it is and, 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 and really bring home the teaching of Islam. He could not hold himself. He could not sit still. He could not. I mean, this is not something that Muhammad Sadiq is saying. There's a tape available for, on this. There's a tape available where he said, this is the one. This is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been sneaking up on. This is what I've been longing for. I'm carrying your bag all around the world. He said that. I didn't say that. Now, are you ashamed of that? That's nothing to be ashamed of. Well, maybe Minister Farrakhan has said I made a mistake. Well, no, but my point is, he he doesn't say it, but his followers need to know this. 
They need to know this. Now, you can't come back two years later and say, well, uh, slip of the tongue, or, or well, uh, I didn't quite mean it like that, or well, no, 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 you already said it. And it wasn't no one time saying it. Then you went and taught this. You taught this. 1975, 1976, 1977. When you decided to, to, to rebuild the nation, you didn't come back and say, I think you're wrong. I think this is wrong. You came and you said, I, dear Supreme Minister, I believe I could be more successful reaching with the common everyday people because the things, many things that you say, go over the head of many of the others. I believe I could be more successful if you would permit me. And the Imam said, whatever you want, that's fine. And support him in it. You listen to Imam Muhammad Sadiq here with the final word. You can call in now at 646-668-8368. That's 646-668-8368 if you have any questions. And, you know, you know the word, You just made an um, interesting comment here. Brother Imam Sadiq, that uh, uh, Mr. Farrakhan went to Imam Muhammad and said that he think that he could do uh, a more, I guess, a more effective job, or at least he could assist in uh, helping bringing the the teachings to the black people of America, because what you're saying right now is going over the heads of the people. You know, that's interesting that he knew how smart people were. You know, I, I find this quite it, uh, interesting among African-American leaders, religious leaders, or so-called people who claim to be leaders, religious leaders, academic leaders. They always make the assumption that don't nobody else know something or understand something but them. You know, just because they maybe read a book or maybe a series of books or maybe even been in, a, in the presence of some individual or some organization, and somebody else hasn't been there as many times, like you were saying, you went as many times around the table as some of the other brothers, but they always come to the conclusion that they got a better understanding and they best know how and they have a better way or they think they have a better way of taking this message to people who need to be taken. You know, that's the same story in, in the Quran about Iblis. They don't even know that they're following the footsteps of the devil himself. That's the same thing he blitzed did. He just think he knew better because he'd been doing it for so long. Man, I've been doing it for so long and, and been doing it so hard, brother, and I know and I believe the people love me that I just think I got I could do a better job than than what you try to do. So why don't you give me a a rope? And a lot did say he gave him rope. He gave him rope to the day of judgment. But uh, I'm just following up on the comment you just made. It's just quite interesting. It never fails to amaze me how big people's heads can be. Well, see, people, well, see, and, and see, the, the, the concern I have, especially with this particular program, if, and that's why I started off the way I started off to say to the brothers who are having this program, if you're really interested in history, let's talk, let's, let's take the gloves off and talk history. And I, if there's anything that I've said, my phone number, 317-847-7805. Call me. Or we can put it in the open spaces. But I don't have an agenda. And if I, something I said is wrong, look, tell me about it. But I'm telling you, if, if, if Imam Muhammad would not have opened up Minister Farrakhan to the potential that was out there, he now 
He never said that about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. I mean, he said a lot of nice things about the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, and he speaks over and over and over. But he never shouted for joy and jumped up and down almost like, I mean, it, the tape is there. Listen to it. Listen to it. Not one time. This is the one. Teach. Oh, brothers, don't be afraid of new knowledge. This is his words. What about the allegations? And this is something he didn't have before. What about the allegations that Imam Muhammad stole $80 million from the Nation of Islam? Nation of Islam never saw $80 million. That's no allegation. That's a just downright exaggeration. I hate to say what it is. <laughs> Go on, say what it is. Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't, cause they'll take it in another zone. They'll think that we want to fight. I don't want to fight. I want, I want the truth to fight for me. That we never had no eighty million dollars, and and what they don't understand is Imam Wardi Muhammad did just what Master Farad Muhammad said he would do, or or taught the other Elijah Muhammad that he would do, and that was bring the Quran. He said, oh, he tore down the nation of Islam. He didn't tear down the nation of Islam. The nation of Islam was artificial. It was not Islam. It was Christianity wrapped up with with the name Islam. It was good, it was beautiful, it was wonderful, but it was a special, it was a package specially designed, a wake-up message, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad called it. It was not Islam. And even at YRT Muhammad, they're talking about, uh, they want to come back and, uh, at Rahman as well as uh, 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 Salaam, come back talking about, oh, Imam Muhammad was never interested in, he was never interested in that. He knew none of these things were Quranically based. Quranically based. But he, he he retired three times. He retired. He he was trying to evolve and move this community forward, and did. And he had a strategy to do it. And whether you saw it or didn't see it, understood it, understand you were you didn't even have the ability to to see this whole thing coming with all the information he had. Both of these emails or ministers or whatever you want to call them. So I'm saying no, Doctor Salam. Now he gonna he gonna sit up there and 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 try and talk about he, he uh and then he wants to challenge the idea when Imam Muhammad said uh, man means mine. Where did he get that at? White man never told me that. Back up, Doctor Salam. Everything that he, no he didn't say the white man. I'm saying that. I'm adding that. But he said he can't find it nowhere. That's the same thing. White man never told me that. You, and I know you no no nigga can have enough sense to come up with something white man didn't tell him. But go challenge it in the reality of its practical use, its pragmatic uh, 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 identification. Challenge it there. You can't. Man means mine. Oh, he, he, oh, Wallace, he just takes things and gives his own ideas to him. No, Allah allowed him to see what you can't see, Dr. Salam. He allowed him to see what you don't have the ability to see. You're a smart man. You're well-trained. You know how to take a tooth out? You know how to put a plate in. But don't think it's because you know dentistry that you know what Imam Warthi Muhammad knew that Allah prepared him for. You don't know it, didn't know it, and still don't understand it, just in what you said just a week or so ago. Well, Brother Imam, brother Imam if you look at, the, uh, look at the definition of man in the Oxford Dictionary, in fact, I just ran across this last night, and one of the old uh, terms or definitions, because the Oxford, uh, well, actually it's called the Oxford Unabridged Dictionary. That means every uh, definition that's been used in modern-day times that we know of 
is in that dictionary. It's unabridged dictionary. And one of the different uh, meanings of man is human being, uh, a human thinking being. That's what's what's in the doing the definitions. So if that's the case, if that is in fact the case, then man it does mean mind because the only difference between man and the animals is his ability to think above physical uh, law, natural what I call natural law. So man does mean minds. It's in the Oxford Dictionary. If you just look, put a little time and do some some real research, see, not your search, to, but see, research. See, first of all, first of all, see, I mean, first of all, I have the greatest love and respect for Dr. Salam. He's been a scholar. He's been a soldier. He was a trooper. He was there with no intellects for there. But don't lose perspective on who you are and what your contribution is, and think just because you have a great contribution to make and have made that no one else has a contribution to make. And they didn't close the books after you started studying, nor did they close Columbia or NYU after you started studying. So many of us have gone on to school, and I've gone to school too. And out of all of my lessons that I learned, I learned to humble myself and listen, especially in the face of wisdom. And I, I'm saying, Almighty God, Allah has taken Imam, gave, guided Imam Warthi Muhammad in a way that I've never seen, witnessed, or read of human beings being guided in the contemporary history that we're living in now. Never saw it. And instead of us uh, jumping up and down for joy, because let me say something else. No one has said, do you know if Imam Warthi Muhammad would not, if Allah would not have raised him, and put him in the position that he wanted, I believe there would have been so much bloodshed in 1975 that there wouldn't even be no traces of the nation of Islam. That's what I believe. I believe there would have been so much bloodshed had he not been guided by Allah to step up in the way that he did and give a re- and, and tell us about faith and forward march and start us down the road towards success and did it with such dignity, and did it with such wisdom. I believe if he would not have stepped up, we would have had, in fact, in New York City, they were gunning for Minister Farrakhan. They were gunning for me. They were gunning for the Akbar. Brother came to me with sign this. I said, who is this? This is a death angel. You either sign it, you're going to get killed. I mean, they came to me and told me that to my face. And they had a hit out in New York for Minister Farrakhan. Don't get crazy here. Let's talk about the real history. Let's talk about the real history. That was. It sounds like to me. It sounds like to me that you're you're suggesting that it was gangsters in New York City. There were there were at the time at the time of the passing of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We were honeycombed. We were honeycombed with a mixture of mindsets. And I'm saying not only with that. The, the people, there, there was no real understanding. If Imam Warthi Muhammad would not have come the way he came, it would not have bought the kind of rational, sound, logical, intelligent approach and Islamic approach. It would have been a bloodbath there. And it would have spread around the country. So I'm saying, where are these people? Are they sound asleep? So I'm saying, but, but keep in mind now, these are some scholars. Dr. Salam was foremost. I mean, outstanding. I mean, he did what none of us did. He sat at the table of Elijah Muhammad, he questioned, 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 and allowed many things to come 
to light and in, information to come to light that we would have never had if it wouldn't have been for his probing and his unique character and personality he had that was way beyond where many of us were at the time. But let's don't think it's because that we're intelligent, no one else can be intelligent. And because we don't see it, it doesn't exist. Let's leave a little room for for God smiling on other people too. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying in this talk, and I'm going on record saying it. And I, and I, and I stand up. I stand up to to anybody. And and Minister Farquhar has been my mentor, my teacher, my first teacher, my model. My I loved him so much, and still do love him. Still do love him. People come to me. One brother came to me when I was saying something. Say, well, I never liked the nigga. And I said, oh no, you don't want to bring that kind of stuff to me. I'm not here on no no witch hunt for for Minister Farrakhan. Minister Farrakhan guided me when I didn't know where the hell I was going. But I'm simply saying on the history of our community and on the facts of our community, we don't have to be a politician. We don't have to compromise. God has given me eyes. I can't. I'm not allowed to say what I see. I'm not allowed to see what I understand. Then where am I? I had to go back like Bilal. Did you free me, Abu Bakr, to be your slave? No. So all I'm saying, and I would not have a battle with Mr. Barker on nothing. I would rather drink muddy water and sleep in a hollow log. But on this, with Imam Muhammad, uh, with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad being the first convert, I'll meet him on the mountaintop and win. And that's a challenge. And win, if if you want to take that challenge. That the first convert to Imam Warthi Muhammad was the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And all the facts speak to it. Well, I think just listening to you and, and, and the past shows and listening to Mr. Farrakhan, I think if you and Minister Farrakhan actually got into a discussion, I think it would be a very pleasant and very plaudible and very uh, uh, warm and cordial exchange. I don't think it would be oh, like Farrakhan, some of these other you, brothers. You know, but I'm, I'm saying I, that for people who don't understand the serious nature of this, this is not for the ego of Muhammad Sadiq. And just like 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 uh, Socrates said when they gave him the hemlock, he said, "Hell, man! If y'all just waited a little while, I was gonna be out of here anyhow." And I say, "Down right. there, the same thing. Look, I'm I'm so far up the ladder. I ain't I, I I can't even look. There's only a few short days left. I'm saying all I want is the history to be correct. I don't have I'm my, I don't have an axe to grind that I hope before I leave here that I can have a fight with Minister Farrakhan. Hell no. The last thing I ever want to do is have that. Not from someone I love and honor and respect." But I'm saying if this is the kind of thing that we're going to leave out there for for the future, for our children, for my grandchildren, for my great-grandchildren, for my family to stumble on when I know it's not true. And I'm going to be afraid to speak. And, and I was at the table. Why do you think Allah, Bible, why did he, man, why did I never let mama tell me I can come anytime I wanted to come to his home? He said, I don't have to wait to come. He said, just come on Tuesday. Anytime you need to come, brother, brother uh, teacher. You come anytime you want to come. And he, he, why did he say the things that he said? He said some very sensitive things, even about Minister Barker, to me. That I don't want to, I don't put in the public domain because that's not where I'm coming from. That's something I'll share with him. But on this issue, on the issues that are important to the understanding of the history of this community, 
important for people to make decisions. We can't stand there with our finger and our thumb in our mouth and our finger jammed in our behind. We have to stand up for what is right. If it means that, if it's taking me off the planet Earth, look, Allah's the best knower. One thing I can say is you can't take me out of here no, one day or one moment or one second sooner than Allah wants me to go. So I'm saying this for the sake of these honorable brothers who have had this program who are in search of the history. Now, in, in, in the moment, they may not agree with me. Give them four or five years down the road or ten years down the road, and these same brothers who might be at odds with me will look at what was said today and shake their head and say, oh, praise be to Allah. Because they will have grown and developed enough to see and understand that I didn't come to them with a, an, an intent to disrespect them or to respect the leadership of the Nation of Islam with the excellent work of Minister Farger. I come to them to share with them in the capacity that they claim they are doing their work. And they're doing history. And you can't do history if you don't have people who are, who, are, who are honorable and willing to stand up and tell you the facts of history. You can't well, Brother Imam, I can, I can recall when I first came to the Nation of Islam in 1974, it may have been late 73, I know it was at least early 74, and uh, when we were selling papers and, and, you know, giving our donations, and a lot of the monies that we were collecting, as you well know, uh, a percentage of that, in fact, I would assume a quite large percent of that money that the local temple was collecting was was being sent to Chicago headquarters, and the goal was to build, I think you, if you remember, we were going to build a hospital and maybe yes. a college. You remember that? And, 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 and Yes. Yes, and, and, and so a lot of that money went there. So what I'm saying is that if people were making allegations that all this money was, was stolen, I mean, if all the money was stolen, then, you know, Obviously, either Imam Muhammad must have given the money away because he didn't spend any of it on himself. Look, none. And look, we never had no $80 million. I mean, I saw that. Like, where, where's 80? And when Imam Muhammad came to office, first of all, using the terminology, when he tore down the next, when he destroyed the next, he tore. I mean, that, that's, that's ambiguous terminology. That's ambiguous terminology. And it's, it's, and it's really ambiguous terminology with a negative intent because Imam Muhammad never did anything to hurt anyone, even in even in, in removing the unacceptable, un-Islamic ideas that we have grown accustomed to. He did it with dignity. He didn't just come in because he's the leader and just start tearing things down. The way they the way they tell it and he tore down the nation and when he tore down the, when he destroyed the nation, when he destroyed when the nation fell Get the hell out of here. That's the wrong terminology. When Imam Muhammad began to conform, make this community conform to the Islamic principles by which Allah wanted this community to go, which Elijah Muhammad wanted this community to go, which Master Farad Muhammad wanted this community to go. Say it like that. When he began to do that, these things that we had, I mean, you don't need a, you don't need a, a, a straight jacket. Always, the straitjacket was there for a purpose. And I remember being at Minister Farrakhan's house in Ramadan in 1976, I think it was. And I remember his daughter saying, out of her mouth, and Minister Farrakhan never did nothing but smile and agree with it. She said, I'm no more straitjackets for me. 
No more. Not just one daughter, a couple of them. They said, I'm never getting back in a straight jacket. That's after the light came on from where? Where where did this light come from that made you decide no more straight jacket? The light came from the enlightenment that Allah put on the heart of Imam Warta Muhammad that he shared that liberated these minds that felt stifled. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I'm saying, come on, let's tell it all. Let's don't tell part of it. Let's tell it all. We don't have to come there with an agenda that you want to try and keep the people program the stigmatizing moving in a certain direction. No, it's not gonna work. So anyhow, I just I just thank Allah. I thank Allah. Alhamdulillah. And I thank Allah for this, but I'm saying, no, no don't give me no story about no eighty million dollars that we had. Nation of Islam had no eighty million. If Honorable Elijah Muhammad would have had first of all, to say he had eighty million dollars is a condemnation of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. It's a condemnation of him. You're not helping him. Stop and look at the, the implication of what it means to have $80 million sitting up in the bank and your people going through the kind of stuff they're going Brothers and sisters getting put out of their homes. Brothers and sisters uh, in need of medical care. Brothers and sisters brothers and sisters uh, don't have anywhere, uh, any way of, of, of maintaining themselves. No hospital anywhere. Our school's suffering. And he got $80 million in his pocket? That's a condemnation of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. No siree. I mean, we got to look at the the, 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 the the significance of that kind of statement. What does it say? It. Now we had eighty million dollars. Eighty million dollars, man. What in the heck are we doing, setting on eighty million dollars, and all the stuff going on in the community, and, and, and we're not paying no taxes, not doing anything. Why do you remember Muhammad had to come in and start paying taxes? Why do you remember Muhammad had to come in and start uh, giving people uh, certain kind of benefits and charity? Why? If we had $80 million. And where did the $80 million go to? Because the court, when we went to court, they made us, they turned us upside down and shook us. Turned us upside down and shook us. Rufus Cook stole as much as he could steal, but he didn't steal no $80 million. So I'm saying, well, come on now. All of this revisionist history, all of this, this, uh, this, 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 this corrupt idea of thinking, let's stop that. Let's stop that. Let's be, on, let's, let's be fair. Let's be honest. Let's be just. Honorable Elijah Muhammad wasn't sitting on no $80 million. Nor did Imam Warthi Muhammad come in and destroy anything. Imam Muhammad came and did what Allah guided him to do, and that was to bring this community in conformity with what an Islamic community is to look like, to make the leadership conform to Islamic principles, to put away the problem book, to put away the lessons, to put away the message to the black, put away all of those things which were tools. These were tools with a purpose, a specific purpose. You don't need a hoe and a and a and a rake and a and 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 a, and a planting machine in the middle of December on the, in the Antarctic. You don't need that, but you need some ice shoes and one of them picks to, to be able to move around, and some snowshoes maybe. So I'm saying, let's be real. Let's grow up and help these young brothers who are in the Nation of Islam today, but tomorrow are going to be the leaders for the Islamic world. Help them know what the facts are so that when they write, they will write 
with some with some clarity of what took place and without feeling compelled to, to, to placate different people for what they say and what will make them smile. It's not about making somebody smile. It's about telling the truth. And anything that I said, I'm going on record, it will be on in the archive. They can pull it. Anyone wants to challenge me, challenge me. Call me. All I ask is that we just do it as brothers. That's all. And please don't allow the fervor in which I'm saying now to to to, to imply that that I'm that that I'm angry with you. I'm just hurt that we have so little time, and we and we we seem to be so naive to the to the detriment that will be caused by us misrepresenting history. Look at the damage we do to our to our future. That's what happened to us already. Well, do we want to duplicate? Well, all we wanted was freedom. Why? To do what the, we call the so-called devil did to us? To eliminate the, 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 the key ingredients of the history? I Here I am, a man in my 60s and 70s, and I'm just learning of basic things that I should have learned in high school about the history of African-American people, about how Muslims were uh, involved in, in being in America in the 12th century, Muslims involved in America in the 16th century. Why should I just be learning that? Because somebody didn't have the, the, the decency to, to tell it like it was when the opportunity was there. They didn't want that in the books. They had a political agenda. Do we want to repeat that? That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that these two men, the two men that I named, and I'm going to say it in my closing as I said in my oath, these are two excellent men. Dr. Abdul Salam, I mean, you have to understand, again, look at this man in the context of the time that he took a stand with the nation of Islam. He was a giant. He was like Gulliver's Travel. For him to stand up and, and, and be identified with a bunch of nobodies when he could have got all kind of honor, because back in those days to be a doctor, do you know that was like almost being next to a god or a king? And this man stood up and did that. And here's Brother Abdul Rahman. Abdul Rahman, right there, the one who who really was instrumental in bringing Muhammad Ali and giving the biggest dignity. Look, look at that. Look at the great contribution to this man. We don't have to add nothing to you to your great work, Brother Imam Rahman. Don't hurt it and dilute it by adding some garbage in into the history that's going to demean you. Just tell it like it is. You're still standing arm, I mean, way up in the air like a mountain to the great contribution that you made. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have had a Muhammad Ali. So I'm not against these brothers. I'm saying they've done a wonderful work. As Minister Barkon has done a wonderful work. But does that mean now I'm supposed to just lay down and die and say, oh, whatever y'all want, whatever y'all want? That, that's slavery. That's slavery. I'm saying no. Stand up for the truth. Well, Brother Imam, in closing, and in the last couple of few, a few minutes here, uh, these brothers, you say one of them was a doctor and another uh, had a long history of working in the African-American community. Columbia University, uh, New York University, Dr. Abdul Salam, Leo McCallum. Why do you think the brothers still holding on to the old teaching of uh, Master Farad Muhammad? Well, I don't think Dr. Salam is holding on to that. 
I don't think he is. So he just got a personal vendetta against Email Muhammad. No, I don't even think it's a vendetta against Email Muhammad. I think Dr. Salam has had to lean on his intellect for so long that that he's down the line where Allah has made it necessary that you don't have to do that no more, and he's still doing that. And But he's doing it in a time when now he needs to travel a little with faith because now the trees have grown a little taller and the, and the leaves are filling in a little thicker, and he needs to have a little more faith. And so I has think, he come out and has he come out and said that he doesn't he doesn't believe that Farah Muhammad was 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 Allah? But he has done more than that. He has been uh, one. He reads the Quran. He has been uh, he was one who uh, was instrumental in seeing to it that a, a, the Quran for the first time was printed in the United States. He has done everything that does, that suggests that he doesn't have a vendetta. But I think what he's done, he's overlooked the importance. In other words, he's still, in my mind's eye, seeing the nation of Islam as he saw it when he first came in, where he was standing heads and shoulders over top of everybody else. But he's got a lot of peer groups and people who now stand head and shoulders over him. And, I mean, it's hard to understand, but time moves on. And, and you know, and, and uh, what where he was the giant, now he's not the giant. But but now, so he's making a decision. Imam Warthi Muhammad said that eating from the forbidden tree is when you start leaning on your own understanding. And so he, he didn't think he needed to depend on Imam Warthi Muhammad no more. So he, after the first year or so, whatever it was, he's going on his own. And in going on his own, I think it put his, it put his sight out in terms of growth that he could have made if he would have been faithful, not so much to Imam Warthi Muhammad, but faithful to the reality that there was something superior out there that you don't have. So then, if that's the case, then why did he come back on this show, knowing that uh, is, uh, Allah is God and Muhammad is a messenger of God? He's got Qurans printed here up in the in America. Why would he come back on the show in 2015 and start talking and suggesting to the listening audience that he's in support of the nation of Islam? What well, I don't know if he he, he didn't. I don't think he, he quite did that. I think Rahman was more in tune with that that particular idea. In fact, Rahman. His situation, now, you, you say, why are they that, that way? Let me just give equal time to Rahman. Why do I think he meant Rahman? I think Rahman, in his own uh, testimony, said he fell on some hard times. He said he fell on some hard times, and I'm just putting it in a summary form. And I think he's recouping from some hard times that he had, and uh, and he he's doing the best that he can. And he, he, he It's just like cutting class. You know, you cut class and you keep cutting class and keep cutting class. Then you show show up the day that they're giving the final and they and they hand you the final and you look at this. And you say, "What am I supposed to do with this?" Because well, what's wrong? There's nothing on there that you're familiar with. And so you either have to accept that you're a failure, or or there's something wrong with the guy giving the test or whatever. I'm simply saying, Rahman cut class. Doctor Salam cut class. And the results are that when the final is given. They don't see it, so now they have a choice of saying that they messed up, or the person who's giving the test is 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 not right or whatever. And they chose to take the that. I think they'd be wise to take a look at their own selves, because they have so much positive in their life, and if they would judge, and by the by the the, the fair hand of justice, if they would judge in an honorable way, if they would. Uh, take a look at this thing, being honest in their own insides, and turn to Allah in prayer, I believe Allah would open up their hearts and help them along the way. 
But to sit back and, and, and try and throw stones at Imam Wadi Muhammad, that ain't going to work. Now, I mean, it's okay with me. I mean, I have a love for Imam Wadi Muhammad. I'm not defending him out of the love. I'm defending him on the, on the factual reality of what he has done. And that's why I said we all need to get that tape of Minister Farrakhan. Minister Farrakhan should play it for him. He should play it for him. And let them listen. Let them be the judge of what he said. And he didn't where, say where it can you find this? Where can you find this tape? Well, you used to could find it on uh, the library, Imam Library, but because of the problems we have, I don't know if it's in that in that, uh, there no more. But I tell you what, if you would bring me back for uh, uh, five minutes on another program, just so I can call in and tell you, I'll get the answer and then leave, leave it for the audience, and they can find. I think they should, everyone should hear, because I, I mean, and let me end like I began. I end. I started off by telling you we need to have a foundation to go forward to understand where this thing is going, and the foundation has to be laid right. We had a starting point and a stopping point in the nation of Islam. We had a starting point with Imam Warsi Muhammad, and that has to be, that foundation came in 75, and that foundation was the Quran, and is the Quran. And I'm saying, and that's what they don't see. They don't see that Allah has blessed one who looked like them was capable of reading and unlocking and hearing and seeing things in the Quran that no one has saw before. And that's their that's their struggle. That's between them and faith. I see it, and I thank Allah that he opened up my blinded eyes. And I pray, Allah, one day I'll be worthy of it. But it's there. So thank you so very much. I know we're, we're almost past time. If we're not, we probably are past time. But I'd, I'd like everyone to have the tape. Not to, to do anything. I'm not trying to make mockery of no one. But I think that was the most honest, beautiful rendition that of all of Minister Farrakhan's work, and he got thousands of tapes. You're not gonna find one that's more inspirational than this one, that the day that he met Imam Warthi Muhammad for the first time in his royal robes, and I'm using that symbolically. He met the Imam in his robes, and he Allah would not allow him to be quiet. Allah forced him to confess from his mouth, "This is the one." I'll carry his bag around the world. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the one we've been looking for. Dear brothers and sisters, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told me when the germ that produced Wallace Muhammad left the body of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Almighty God, Allah was in that germ. Tell him that, Brother Minister. Brother brother Imam Sadiq, I want to thank you for coming back on the show and expounding on and giving us the final word on this subject matter. I'm glad you came on. You've been listening to Imam Muhammad Sadiq uh, of the former Nation of Islam, now a practicing Muslim here in America over 60 years. Muhammad Sadiq, Imam Sadiq has really cleared up a lot of, uh, I would just say, talk, back uh, backroom talk of, of a lot of false, I wouldn't say charges, but a lot of false information. He's really cleared it up, set the record straight. Imam Muhammad Sadiq, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. I want to give you the greetings of As-salamu alaykum. Thank you, As-salamu And let me thank you, Brother Shaheed, for the excellent work that you're doing. Thank Brother Marvin. I'm honored that such an enlightened, scholarly, respectable brother would call in and share with us. May Allah bless him. I, I hope you get him on and, get, and, and, and probe him and get all the goodies that he's got to share with us out because I'm honored that he called in and I'm honored to be a part of this program. Yes, sir. You've been listening to a new African broadcast. The new African broadcast is dedicated 
to the upliftment and advancement of the young African-American youth here in America. That's why this show was created. We want to thank everyone for listening to the show, and we want to also let you know to tune in and next time for another show of a new African. I'd like to give you the greetings of Islam in the Arabian language. As-salam alaykum. You have been listening to the New African Broadcast, a media program dedicated to the consciousness and the positive moral growth of the black youth of America. Thank you for giving us your attention and tune in to our next broadcast. Assalamu alaikum.